Right, welcome back to the podcast, Steve Sully Study. Um, everybody knows I'm looking to venture out and having all different kinds of conversations with entrepreneurs, athletes, people that move and shakers. And the person in front of me is definitely making a very, very solid name for herself in multiple different ways. I want to talk to Amy Day today about life before she went on TV, life after, and what our plans are over the next five or 10 years and some of our goals and stuff. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. So have you got 10 hours to talk about all of this then? <laughs> I <bet. laughs> I'll try and get it in a nutshell. <laughs> cool. So just hitting home the obvious, okay? Um, you're best known for your TV appearance 2021 on Love Island. Um, I always like to ask this question. I've only interviewed a couple of people who've been on Love Island. Jack Finchin being one of them and AJ Bunker. Yeah. Um, what was the need what was the kind of ambition the mission behind getting on something like love island was it a business move or was it just something like i don't know finding yourself and be becoming creative um it definitely wasn't a business move um it was kind of something i'd always watched the tv program and so all of my friends are like amy you would be brilliant on love island and it was it was kind of like not three years in the making, but kind of three years previous to me going on, I'd had um, sort of the chance to apply. And each year I said no, because I was with a boy, I had a boyfriend at the time. And then I always regretted not going on it. So then COVID hit and I was like, do you know what? I've got nothing to lose. And so I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it this year. And it happened. So I think for me, it was just, it was totally just one of life's experiences. It's something that so few people are offered the opportunity to go on it. So if you are, I almost believe, well, it's meant to be, I definitely should go and take this, um, take this opportunity and experience. So yeah, I just did it as one of life's experiences. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Um, a guy called Kid Wire, don't know if you know him. Um, he's been on my podcast recently. He's got, you know, 1.5 million followers on Instagram. He's, he's a very follow, follow guy. And part of the reason why he become so followed is because he went on to Big Brother, but in Nigeria. So his okay. dad is uh, known as Mr. Fasachi. He basically wears Fasachi all the time. He's a very, very wealthy individual. I think he's a billionaire, very, very close to it. And to, to kind of blaze his own trail, he went on to Big Brother in Nigeria a few years ago. He literally said he went into there with less than 2,000 followers. Yeah. He came out with basically a million followers. Now, I know you got a really good following yourself. What was that transition like? Going in there with probably something quite modest and then coming out the other side with certainly a lot more followers. What was that that feeling like? Um, I loved it. I loved it. And when it was, you know, you'd come out and that's when it really started to grow. And I just loved it. I was like, great. Hopefully this opens some opportunities business-wise. Um, but it was mainly, I just had loads of lovely feedback about being on the show, um, which probably made it enjoyable that I was getting all of these, you know, this, this big, bigger following. Um, it's when I got the blue tick, I was like, sweet, I've got the blue tick. Um, but it's just, it's, it's exciting, really exciting. And you kind of just, you hope to expect, you know, some business things to come from it. So it's, it's always positive. I think when you it's just keeping the following now mm. as well was the hardest bit. Yeah. That's always the hardest bit. 
So, okay, so um, life before Love Island, then, what was you doing? I've done a little bit of research, but in your own words, I mean, you're originally from, sorry, Kingston. Yeah, yeah, yeah Kingston. Um, so what was life like before Love Island? Um, just really normal. Um, so I always did musical theatre. That was kind of the career that I really wanted to do. You know, West End, a TV show. Um, I actually ended up going into cruise ships. So I went and worked and did the shows on cruise ships for about sort of in and out for three, four years. Best thing I've ever done, like traveling the world whilst also being paid to do so and also doing these glamorous shows with gorgeous people. It was like the best thing a 20-year-old could have been offered the opportunity to do. Um, And then obviously COVID hit. Um, and so for nearly a year and a half to two years, it was, you know, theatre was pretty much dead, wasn't it? It was probably affected, one of the worst affected businesses. Um, and I then became a full-time estate agent. Um, I've always done property on the side. Um, so when I'd come back from cruise ships, I would go and sell property freelance for about three months. And I made some really good relationships with the developers. I still sell property now. Um, and I probably will always have that as the side hustle. Um, and then so I became a, a full-time estate agent and then was offered this opportunity. And it's so funny because I loved I loved the company I worked for. It was a local, um, a local estate agent to where I lived. And I said to them, I was like, I need time off. I've just been offered um, an acting TV show. Because I couldn't, the producers of Love Island, they make you feel, they're like, you can't tell anyone. Because if someone finds out, then you're not going to go on. So I was absolutely so paranoid. Um, And so I said that to them. I said, look, I'm leaving. I've got a TV show, acting TV show. Anyway, and then just went on the show. So it was like everything was so normal. And then went on the TV show. And if I'm honest, it kind of remained a bit normal. Yes, I was really busy when I came out. But I still, my life was pretty much still the same went straight back to work. Um, I was probably the first person that went back to work just because I can't stand to not think that I'm constantly making money. Um, and then, it, yeah, it just busy. My life remained the same, but was just a bit busier with a few more events and red carpet events. Um, I'm going to ask you a bit of a, a strange question, but... Love a strange question. <laughs> going on TV, I mean, look, a lot of people will chase the stuff that you've achieved, some of the stuff that you've achieved, like, you know, you've got a blue tick, you've got a good following, you know, you've been on one of the most popular TV shows in the country, you've probably got some really good endorsement or or business opportunities off the back end of that. And people would chase that kind of clout. Were were there anyone around you, I don't know whether it's family members, affiliates, colleagues, even friends, how differently do they treat you after Love Island? Not differently at all. But if I'm honest, I think that's because I didn't change at all. Like my nearest and dearest said, like, you have not changed a bit. And they would, they'd keep me in check. They'd be like, Amy, just wind that down a little bit. Um, But I think I'm just surrounded by a really grounded support group. Um, So yeah, literally the same, literally the same. I mean, obviously you've got a few people that have reached out that haven't reached out for years and you're kind of like, but apart from that, it's just it's just support. It's constant support. Nothing yeah. negative. I wouldn't yeah. say anything negative. So talk to me about like actually being, uh, you know, uh, on the premises there in, in Love Island. Um, I've, I've got written down here, eating curry for breakfast. Yeah. Was that honestly what you were eating? I mean, 
if you can say it was for breakfast, you know, we were woken up at lunchtime. So it wasn't like we were waking up at 8am and they were like, here's curry in a bowl with some milk. Um, they'd, they'd, we'd be filming until early hours of the morning. So then they'd, they'd make us kind of stay in bed until lunchtime. Then they'd get us up. They'd be like, lunch is ready. Can you all quit? You know, you've got 10 minutes to get ready. And then can you go and have lunch? And they'd be serving up like curry, fish and chips, chicken and veg, um, which was a little bit strange. But yeah, that, that is what happened. Um, the toilets. Yes. I've had, so when I've read about other people, the other contestants' uh, feedback on the toilets, some of them are they go right into detail what were nice. the toilets like uh on love island um toilet the toilet was a toilet um did its purpose uh we just only had two and so when i was in there there were 18 of us like that was the most amount the biggest amount of islanders in the villa at the same time was when i was in there so it was just literally my idea of a nightmare um and so the girls had to share one and then the guys had to share one. Um, obviously it's, you know, we're adults, we've all shared a toilet before, so it's not, it's not like alien to us, but obviously it's, you're sharing with a lot more people. So there's more of a chance that you're gonna smell someone else's. <laughs> um, the relationships yeah. on Love Island, how genuine are they? Um, that, so when people ask that, question to me I literally can't answer it I mean I try and think in the most positive way that everyone was just in there for an experience and everyone was really lovely relationship wise I don't know because it means that they've kind of gone along with everything so it's a I find that like probably one of the hardest questions when people ask me that I'm like I literally can't comment so, but because the whole program is about finding love or lust, etc., yeah, they must. The producers must try and encourage you to be a lot more forthcoming. Yeah. So, what sort of things were they saying? Um, I think they would just they kind of prod you and sort of egg you on to go and do something. Which actually, when you sit back and you think about it, thank God they do that. Otherwise, it would probably be the most boring show that you can watch. You know, this isn't a year's relationship. This is. A relationship built on six months at uh, six weeks so thank god they're there prodding you but they'd be like you know i think you should go and talk to so and so i think you should go and tell them how you feel like i really think it would be a good idea so i totally get it i totally get that they do that yeah um so if you had the chance to do it again would you absolutely i've always said this and why um Oh God, I feel like, I just felt like I had so much more to give. Um, I do feel wasted. Like I do look back at it and you know, the particular person that I stayed with and I tried to be really loyal and I just wish I didn't. I wish I literally threw myself in and I'd say this to anyone that was going on the show or was like, you know, I'm going on the show. What bit of advice would you give me? And I'd be like, literally just throw yourself in. Don't question anything. Just get to know everyone. Um, and just remember that this, you know, don't think about it too seriously. Mm. Don't take yourself seriously. Um, yeah, I would have thrown myself in a bit more. So I listen, being in business, um, part of the reason why I do the podcast is maybe a bit of social proof. You know, if I'm 
speaking to a footballer, if I'm speaking to a boxer, if I'm yeah. speaking to someone on reality TV, if I'm speaking to another entrepreneur, even though a client is coming to purchase a £150,000 piece of art and that conversation is not directly connected to the artist or to the art market, I think it gives a bit of validation. Hence why I do it because I enjoy it. I do it because I love hearing people's stories. And then also there's that, that element to it. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs, gurus, billionaires, whatever you want to call them that I listen to from a personal development perspective. And a lot of the very, very successful business people that scaled up said, you need to market yourself. You need to get out there and promote yourself. So in a way, doing a podcast, going to re- uh, um, onto a TV show or doing similar things like that is a way of bringing your identity to an audience and then hopefully you can pivot that and you can monetize it, whether that's monetizing your social media, whether that's selling a product, whether that's building a company or brand, etc. And there's a few people that I've see, seen have done that. Tommy Mallet always brings to mind, you know, Obviously, the only way is Essex. He's now got over a million followers. He's built up this phenomenal brand called Mallets and he's yeah. doing this super, super well. And I could see how both elements played a really, really important part in order to get to getting that done. Yeah. A lot of people now in, you know, t- reality TV YouTubers, they've pivoted and now they're going down the boxing route, for example. AJ Bunker is one of them. Yeah. Um, uh, a good friend of mine he was training her and now she's kind of monetizing her profile, becoming a boxer. And there's other things that people can do. So my yeah. question to you is, would you ever become a pro boxer and monetize your following? So I'm actually really good at boxing. I love boxing. Um, the only thing is, because I was actually asked if I wanted to do it, that first, um, the first game uh, the first boxing match that she had I was asked if I wanted to do it and I was like do you know what I actually feel very uncomfortable with violence <laughs> like I'd feel really uncomfortable hurting someone else or punching them so I'm not sure I'd go the boxing route but we can definitely go like the music route but maybe not boxing <laughs> okay boxing can stay for the training ring just for fitness reasons yeah fair, fair enough it does seem like a lot because uh, I was talking to someone about this the other day if a lot of people in the YouTube space or uh, social media or reality TV then all started committing to, I don't know, being a, playing cricket, I don't think so many people would take interest in it because, let's be honest, as humans, we do like to see a tear-up, you know, just to see who's actually going to be the, the stronger individual out of the two. Yeah. And it's always quite intriguing, hence why so many people subscribe to it. And I don't know if you can monetize it the same. One one sort of more subject, uh, a conversation surrounding Love Island, all right? Yeah. I'm not saying you're an expert in this, but I just want to get your take on it. I don't know whether it's to do with Love Island or social media or a combination of a few things, but as we probably have seen over the last few years, sadly, there's been a few people that have committed suicide or taken their own lives. And I... I still wrap my brain to think why do people push themselves to, to that limit where they feel like they can't be here anymore? And is it because they're, they're thrown into a reality TV show and then there's no aftercare? Um, or are they subjected to online abuse and they don't know how to deal with it and then they take their own life? Why do you, why do you think people, you know, 
some people end up thinking I've got to take my own life here because I can't cope with the reality anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's again, it's hard for me to comment because they were on past series and I don't know what the aftercare system was like for them at that stage. Um, For us, it was, there was a lot of, you know, everyone was always messaging us, checking up on us. And you could, you were offered therapy sessions after coming out the villa. Um, but also the build-up to getting offered to go on Love Island was huge as well. Like you'd have a, um, a psychiatric test um, who would kind of go through all your, you know, your history, your upbringing, your past, and and they'd kind of be asking you all these questions. So they were kind of analysing all the way through, do we think this person would be okay and be able to cope? So I think it's also different. I, I don't think people can blame Love Island you know, we don't know what was going on in their in their personal lives before, after. Um, but obviously the trolling and the social media side and the fame and being known. You know, we were talking about it earlier that there are trolls out there who will literally come at you for anything and everything. So I think it's just making sure that you have that support system. I was very lucky, you know, I, I had a really grounded family and all my friends by me. So, you know, if I needed to reach out, they'd always be there. So I think it just depends on who, you know, having a strong, having a strong team around you. Um, But I don't think you can just solely blame the show. Um, I think that just might have heightened it. Um, But it's a a load of things, isn't it? Mm. It's a massive range of things that could be why someone feels that way. it's It's crazy how you can have such a big following and be so well known and everyone thinks that your life is great but actually these people felt so alone and that they didn't have anyone um i mean i can definitely say i felt like that you know even though i have every you know loads of friends around me and family it is such a strange thing that your mind can kind of put you in this alone space um, but I think it's just about reaching out and, and talking to people is like the biggest thing you can possibly do. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm listening to a few uh, different things at the moment, podcasts and personal development. And I've found myself going to like more therapy type podcasts at the moment. I don't know why. It's just maybe over time I felt like subconsciously I might needed it. Yeah. And I know this is going to sound like very off the cuff and kind of typical suggestions, but about finding your purpose. You know, they were talking, there was a person on Steve Barlett's uh, podcast and I thought it was a very, very good interview. And he said that there was a guy dealing with a, a lady who was, kind of in a psychiatric kind of ward and she was a little bit crazy and anyway he turned around to her and was like well what what is it you like doing and she was like i really really like looking after animals anyway got got her better got got her out of there and she went off to work in like an animal uh, sanctuary and when he went to go and visit her she had so much life because her purpose was to look after the animals etc i'm only giving you very very short snippets and I feel that that's kind of some of the foundations to becoming depressed and also anxiety. It's being lost. You lose your purpose. You you lose your identity and you also kind of get caught up in the smoke. And I sometimes think that social media can do that. Maybe if you're getting too much concentration from a reality TV show or from a certain scenario, you get all this 
love, care, and attention. But once that's, stri- that's stripped away, you almost forget why you've you done it in the first place. Yeah. And that's the only thing I can kind of say without actually going through it myself. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people do is they they haven't thought of a plan. They do just see this as the business move, but they've maybe not necessarily set any goals as to what they want to do. So that when they come out and say, you know, they've been lucky and they've done really well, they don't know where they're going. And I guess that's why I went straight back to work because I didn't want to lose that. And that anything else was just a bonus on top of that. But that it is, it's so true. But you're like, you're obviously very, very confident. You know, you're, you're good at what you do. You know, we're going to talk about your music career, et cetera, slightly uh, in, in a moment. And, you know, the acting you do and, and stuff. Some people listening in, playing devil's advocate, this is not my words, this may be theirs. It's like, oh yeah, it's easy for you to say, Amy, because you're very, very confident. But what about, what about someone else who is, a bit more vulnerable what about what what happens with someone who's a bit more shy and a little mm. bit more introverted what about these people because they're not the strong powerful yeah. individual that you might be perceived to be yeah very good point um it's a hard one to answer isn't it um again hoping you've got a strong support team around you that could try and push you it's funny because i'm really I'm not when if you actually really know me not not confident not you know not this kind of facade that I put up I've just kind of learned to throw myself at everything so what I would say to a more introvert you know um person just grab the balls grab grab life by the balls and just throw yourself in because if you don't you'll regret it and you only live once. I think something that I've really been focusing on recently was, oh my God, we only live once. I'm never going to be 26 again. I'm never going to be 21 again. And you, yeah, it's too short. It's really too short. And I think that my main thing is being happy. As long as you're happy, that's all that matters. I'll tell you what, like I used to hear my mum and dad's uncles, aunties, older people when I was younger talk about how quickly life goes. Yeah. You think it's such like an old thing to say, don't we? And it really is. Yeah. Like anyone young listening right now, 15, 20, even 25, they're going to be like, what is he going on about? Like, why is he going to sound like an old man? Are we but, the ones saying that now? We're the ones But honestly, that. I'm 37. I just turned 37 in December. I remember, weirdly enough, my 28th birthday, mm. like it was yesterday. It's not even a, a good birthday to have. It was just 28. And I remember having a conversation with a good friend of mine saying, oh, I was your 28th birthday today. It was on a Saturday. This is what, we got, what we're going to do today. And I was almost like, yeah, well, look, I'm not 30 yet. You know, I've got a couple couple more years. That's quite a long time. And now I'm 37. I'm looking back and thinking, fuck, that literally felt like it was only a couple of years ago. Yeah. And it's 10 years ago. Well, nine years ago. But yeah, it's, it's just crazy. But I think you crazy. also have to remember everything that you've accomplished. Mm. in those 37 years which I think is quite a lot would you say yeah I, yeah. I, I was I'm, you know I don't know about you but I'm quite self-critical I always look um, at myself yeah. and go yeah I've done this but I should be doing better yeah and do you know what there's a lot of uh positive advice out there and you just touched on it having a strong network or a strong social group to to pick you up and also if you're in business and you want to make a success of yourself financially and build assets put yourself around really really wealthy people Mm. there was one downside to it which is this i compare myself to these people not compare but like 
I go, when they were 25, they had this and yeah. I've only got this. And now I'm 37. I should be closing that gap a bit more on what they have achieved, but I'm not. I'm actually getting further away. Yeah. And I sometimes think to myself, what am I doing wrong? And it's probably, it definitely is a bad self-talk and bad mindset to have because it should be like, well, their scenario is different. They're in a different business, etc. But I can't help but by having that self-talk and getting pulled into that, yeah. into that almost a bit of self-pity, I guess. Yeah. And then I've got to say to myself, stop being a pussy. I feel like you're interviewing me here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that always happens in interviews. I always end up asking about you. I just, I find people interesting. Um, I completely agree. I think who isn't self-critical? Let's be honest. When people say, oh, I'm self-critical, we all are. We all want to be the best. We always compare ourselves to, to other people. But I saw a really good post um, the other day on Instagram, and I can't remember the actors, but it, I think it was Ian McKellen. I think he was one of them. But it was basically just saying, look, all these people that you know so well, that are names that you've heard, that you've seen in numerous films, they all started out when they were like 45. 40 years old, 35. And before they were, you know, salespeople or working a nine to five job. So we need to stop thinking when we, you know, oh, when that person was 25, they owned that and they were making that much money. It, if you want something and you haven't got it yet, it's never, it's never too late. Like doesn't mean it hasn't happened yet. Mm. You're not going to get another go at it. So you you have you have to remember that you have to remember that just because you haven't done it by 25 doesn't mean you can't do it by 35 or 45 yeah so like it's really hard for me to think that you would ever you would be uh, of all people like feeling low or depressed or anxiety but of course being human you do like what's it like when you go through that and how do you pick yourself back up yeah um, I think the, the main thing for me, which I think is one of the best ways to deal with it, is to acknowledge it. So to be like, oh, wow, I am actually really down and I'm doing things or talking to people in a certain way, which is definitely not like me normally. And just be like, OK, so I'm going to go and do something. I'm going to go out, even if it's as small as going out for the day and going for a walk or calling your best mate and going for a coffee. Um Again, I, I I hate sitting there and having self, like self-pity. I, I can't stand it because why are you wasting a day feeling, you know, low and sorry for yourself when you could be spending that day going to make yourself feel better? Um, so I think acknowledgement is the key in this. Absolutely. Um, I think any emotion, whether you're sad, whether you're happy, you know, acknowledging how you feel is is keeping you present and and in the right mindset i would always say yeah so uh, right now uh pursuing a music career i'm going to say right now how are you feeling <laughs> <laughs> well that how are you feeling today i'm feeling great good great <laughs> so you're pursuing a uh, music career yeah uh acting as well so yeah. tell me tell me what you're up to um now and in the future yeah so um a few of a few people might know i just did panto in rickmansworth in watford um where it was aladdin which was so so fun did you see any pat do you go and see pantos uh, not really 
Not really. You should do. You should have come and seen mine because it's a really good one. Um, I do stuff. With, I mean, I've got two kids. I've got. Uh, oh, they ma- would have loved that. I've got Mason who's four year, years of age, and I've been to a few things with him. But I've got to be honest, it's not really my cup of tea. Um, oh. But I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe next year we'll drag <laughs> you down. Um, and then something exciting music-wise, um, potentially this year um, in the making. And then just continuing to audition for West End um, and and musical theatre shows. I've I've kind of always in my acting career, I've literally gone for everything. I've never closed myself off. Um, and I think you know when an audition is given your way, you should absolutely go and do it, regardless of what it is. Um, so you know the dream is to be on TV with a music video, dancing in the music video. Um, but yeah, who knows where you'll see me. Is there any other like reality TV work that you would like to pursue? Um, I think I'd be a cracking presenter, trying it out on you now, trying to interview you now. No, um, I think presenting would be really fun. I think radio would be really fun as well. Um, so, you know, presenting a game show or presenting something like The X Factor or... That would kind of be the the next best thing. Don't get me on Great British Bake Off because I cannot cook. I can follow a recipe, but I can't cook. Fair enough. So like, you know, you're only 27 years of age now. I feel like you've got so, so many more years to achieve so much more great stuff. So five, 10, 15, 20 years from now, what are you going to be doing? Um, I want to be an at-home wife with the kids. Is that what you want to do? What, Genuinely, that's really? what I want to do. I want to have loads of babies. I want to have a safe house, um, safe home and just raise these kids and be normal and be happy. What's normal look like though? Being happy. Take, you know, waking up in the morning, taking the kids to, taking the kids to school. Um, But then in that sort of five, 10 years, I want to have achieved the goals that I've got right now. So like last year, my biggest goal was to buy property. I went and did it. The moment I received my keys. Your first home or buy to let? First home. I I wish buy to let. (laughs) Next one, next year. Um, And it's really funny because that was like a goal of mine for so many years. And then I finally did it and everyone was like, Amy, that was amazing. And I was like, well, yeah, but I've done it now. So what's the next goal? Like, what am I doing next? And I feel like people forget that. So when you when you have set a goal to do something, first of all, goal, goal setting again is one of my biggest things. You need to goal set. You can't just say, I want this. You need to say, right, this is how I'm going to get it. And when you're going to get it by. And you need to enjoy that journey as well. Because the moment you achieve something, you're literally like, what's my next thing? Do you know as a property estate agent, What's that like? Like when you're showing a client around and then suddenly the penny drops and they realise you've been on TV? It's so awkward. I'd really hate, like when that happens, I hate it. Um, because I just feel like I'm in that professional headspace. And when they say it, I'm like, oh no. Do, do, they, do they ever double take? Like go, yeah. Go like, is, is that her? Is that her? And yeah. they're, like, they're, they're secretly on their phone looking yeah. to see if it's you. And then they're like, yeah. Really? And they're like, can we take a picture? And I'm like, I've actually said, I'd say no when people are like that. I'm like, I'm really sorry, but this is like, I'm in, you know, my work attire. I've got my name badge on with the with the employer's name on it. 
and I just I don't know I remain professional I think yeah what about in the street what's that like like you're walking around this suddenly someone comes over to you do you know what I've never found it weird it makes total sense you have seen me on your tv screen of course you're going to recognize me it does I've never gone oh my god I'm being oh my god I'm being recognized like it's never ever ever like that and I actually I love it because when someone comes up to me I'm like you had the balls to come up to me so yeah well done yes I am Amy and you're amazing so it's I've never felt like it was weird like a lot of times I'd be asked especially when I came out and I was doing loads of interviews they'd be like how does it feel you've been thrown into this world everyone recognizes you I'm just like it feels pretty normal because you'd expect that right Mm. you'd expect that if you were on tv people are going to recognize you Mm. and it's nice because they they recognize that you had the encouragement to go on there and like or dislike you the facts are that you've got to be there's an achievement there isn't there yeah you know you couldn't say today right all the people in this country said, right, I'm going to be on Love Island tomorrow or I'm going to be on TOWIE tomorrow. I'm going to be on Made in Chelsea. Yeah. It doesn't just work like that. You've got to be a certain individual. So there is an achievement there. Yeah. And being recognised in the street or on social media for that. Yeah. must be quite a nice thing. Yeah. And you'll be recognised at the weirdest, in the weirdest situation by someone that you never thought would know who you were will recognise you. I was in, I was in Ilford last year seeing a friend in a show. And we were in McDonald's and this like group of young girls came up to me and they were like, are you Amy from Love Island? I was like, yeah. They were like, why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm seeing a friend. They were like, this is crazy. But it's like, you know, I've always said if if Brad Pitt, I mean, <laughs> Brad Pitt's my go-to. Like when people ask me, who's your go-to? But if he walked in, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see him in a different way. Like he's just a very lucky individual. I don't kind of class fame to make people, you know, above you or yeah. it, you just recognise them. But what, so what doors have opened since your profile's grown and since the Love Island days? Um, the, the door into this room, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know what? It's, it, I mean, of course it's open social media. I, and I'm still, I don't know why people are still interested in me, but they are. Um, you know, little collabs here and there, which I call pocket money. Social media to me is kind of the bonus. It's, you know, the extra bit of cash, the extra business. Whereas property at the moment is the full-time and then the dream is to have musical theatre full-time or TV or music. Um, So it's definitely opened that side to me. It's like a completely different business that I didn't have before. You know, before I went in, I had like 1,300 followers, like literally 1,300 followers. And I just did it as like a fun thing. so it's, it's opened that door. It's opened another business. Yeah. Um, but in terms of musical theatre and property, that is kind of not related to going on Love Island. Yeah. What about connecting with like a new, new, new... What I've noticed with doing the uh, podcasting is there are... I'm a... I'm a boxer, right? So I love... I haven't mentioned that before. <laughs> I love boxing. I love competing. I love training. I love watching it. Yeah. I also like football, but less so... Um, there's like people like George Groves, world champion. I watched him in like some of the most iconic fights. And for me, unless I was going to be a weird stalker and try and follow him around, then 
I don't think I would ever have that opportunity to really sit down and chat to him. But the moment I put a podcast hat on, yeah. it gives me access kind of to these people. And that's what I loved about it. I, I You know, sitting down with Sean Mike Phillips, for example, I'm a Chelsea fan. And obviously sitting there with him and chat, chatting to him is it's given me that, that opportunity. Um, you must have a very similar sort of view on it you know growing your audience and being able to connect to i know maybe a brad pitt or someone that you really admire yeah. or respect in your field of now you can connect connect with them because of the following that you've got yeah um yeah i mean that it hasn't kind of that hasn't really happened for me um i think I mean, I did a, a Strictly podcast. Actually, yeah, here we go. Um, I did a Strictly podcast, you know, Strictly Come Dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, grown up watching the show, like literally adore it. The dresses, like being on that show would be an absolute dream of mine. Um, there's just stuff I have to do in order to be able to get on the show. Um, and me and a friend of mine, um, a presenter, a friend of mine, we did a podcast on the Strictly which was not last December, the December before. And I was able to reach out to a couple of the dancers on the show and a couple of contestants on the show, which they probably wouldn't have even seen that I was on there had I not had a blue tick, had I not had quite a big following. And they came on our our live, our Insta live. They actually said, yeah, of course. Yeah, sweet. That wouldn't have happened. Mm. That would not have happened. So actually, yeah. That is a perfect example. Yeah. That is a perfect example. Right. Um, I'm fully aware that you're probably uber, uber busy today. So I'm going to ask you one more question before I let you go. So when I come up with my podcast or when I started my first business when I was like 24, 25 years of age, come up with a mantra. And the mantra goes like this. Be happy, never content. If I was to ask Amy Day, what does be happy, never content mean to you? <sighs> Just keep going. Keep pushing for everything. Don't don't settle. That's how I would take that. That's your that okay, cool. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. I'm really looking forward to getting this episode out there. Uh, I know I've pestered you for many, many months to come to the podcast. I know, we finally did it though. We we fi- fi- we're fi- both very busy people. <laughs> finally got you on board. So thank you very much for Amy. I really enjoyed the conversation and uh Maybe in the future when you're smashing it on oh, movie, movies or on TV again, we could do a part two. Perfect. All right. Can't wait. Thank you.